What's up, Warriors? All 82 listeners. Another week in this kind of frozen state of the NBA um, is another week of uh, an attempt at a little creative content on theathletic.com. Right now, I have up a uh, kind of a what if look at game five of the finals last year where Clay Thompson and Steph Curry um, hit these back to back to back threes to kind of pull out a stunning win in the last uh, minute in Toronto, which set up a game six, which of course, um, great game, legendary game, last game ever in Oracle, um, but included Clay Thompson tearing his ACL, which had many ripple effects, I believe, last offseason with how they reshaped the team. Anyway, I wrote a what if, what if the Warriors didn't win game five in Toronto? What does that alternate reality look like? What does the roster look like? Um, But anyways, if you want to read that, go to The Athletic, subscribe, read. Um, For podcast purposes, uh, this will be another crossover with Ethan Strauss, Marcus Thompson, Tim Kawakami. We are talking, obviously, Last Dance um, kind of reactions to this past week, but also Really, you know, maybe a bit denser of a conversation on the, you know, where this could be going for the NBA if if we think it's feasible for them to restart this season and what would that even mean for a team like the Warriors who's already out of playoff contention. So anyway, here is that podcast. Plus minus. Tim Kawakami deserves all the credit. Plus minus. That is a word right there. <laughs> What'd you say? Plus minus. Yeah, like, like you, Marcus Thompson. Marcus always tell the truth. Plus minus. The only thing that I would say to Ethan Strauss is that he's a pretty damn good reporter. Um, he's well plus respected. Minus. I think he got the highest plus minus in the season in NBA history. Welcome back. Warriors plus minus. I got my guys with me, Tim Kawakami, the boss man. Ethan Strauss is actually here. Book promo might be over. And we got Anthony Slater of All82 fame. What's up, fellas? We got a little bit to talk about. We might as well start where everybody else is, is on, on the last dance. Uh, I'm, I'm very interested, TK, in the gambling part because I remember that being a big deal. But being a West Coast teenager, you just didn't get the same uh, insight, right? Like, unless you were going to read, you know, the New York Times, which we didn't do. But I didn't realize it was that big of a deal. Yeah, I mean, I remember it. I wasn't covering it back then. Uh, I think I was covering UCLA. But there certainly was bubbling about it. There was talk that Jordan was out on the golf course a lot, the Atlantic City thing, whether that was... You know, that, it really became clear that the Atlantic City thing wasn't that serious. It just was the first chance people got to talk about it. It was the public, like, look at it. Oh, wait a minute. Well, if he's doing that, is he gambling other places? And this book comes out. And what if he's losing? I mean, all, I never believed he was forced out. Like, that's the still people say that. Like, David Stern forced him out, take time off. That's what the first retirement was. And it, it just doesn't make sense to me. And it would have gotten out by now. It would be out on this documentary if that was what would happen. But... There clearly was, like, I just think a lot of different things were happening. He had, he as he talked about, he had a competition thing. It moved over to gambling. It was in quarters with the security guys. It just was something he kept having to find places to compete. And it no longer was as satisfying on, on the basketball court. I think that's what we're kind of seeing in the in that, you know, first dynasty wave um, that 
it wasn't an addiction to gambling, although it, it might have ended up there. It just was a guy who just always needed to find somewhere to beat somebody, to dominate somebody, and that wasn't going to be basketball. Was it not an addiction because he's rich? Yeah, that's <laughs> it. You know, like, I've got a theory, by the way. I've got a crazy theory. Go, go, go. Crazy theory. What if Mike wasn't so much addicted to winning as he was trying to find a place where he could actually lose? Because he couldn't allow himself to lose on the court. He wasn't going to he wasn't going to go half assed that he was now venturing into realms where he's going to actually feel the bane of defeat and feel the sting of it. I mean, he's a very serious golfer. I don't think I've heard anybody who is great at golf, who's golfed with him, be astounded by it or say that he's the greatest golfer that they ever played with. I mean, Samuel Jackson, Samuel Jackson was on TV once bragging about how much money he takes off of Mike because he's better than he is at golf. I, I wonder if a lot of these ventures, and you see him lose at the quarters, was it really a quest for competition or was it just a place to feel like uh, like you're in the competition and you can actually lose and to just get reacquainted with that feeling? You're saying he's really a masochist and he's looking for pain somewhere. Well, there's nothing more deflating than uh, hitting 245 in double A. Um, so that's where he's heading. He's heading to whew, minor league baseball. Uh, I mean, I don't <laughs> know. Look, Ethan has brought the complex theory, but I mean, I'm super curious to kind of like, I understand the dad aspect of baseball, but man. I, I, I want to see the minor league baseball segment. Next yeah, yeah. Time. Slater's covered minor league baseball, we should say. So he's got some insight into this. Triple he's A baseball. It's even a step above. He played double A, right? Birmingham, <laughs> yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. For Terry Francona, and, by and, the and way. Not, and amazing. not very well. Uh, but I, I, I would disagree with Ethan that it wasn't searching for something. It was searching for something that he could prove how great he was again. It was like... He wasn't that great at golf. He, he could, probably couldn't tell himself that, but he wasn't. But he had to prove that he could go from a place where he wasn't quite good enough to just will himself to be better. And throughout the losses, and I'm sure he won a few too, but throughout, and we know how this all works. Like these guys don't want to give themselves the proper, you know, strokes. They don't want to give them the right handicap. Like that's how you win. You beat guys who won't give themselves the proper handicap. And they they just think they're a better golfer than they are, and they lose. But he wanted to prove that he could get himself to that point. But I look at his swing, and you could tell he's not that great a golfer. I mean, Steph's swing is way way better. Ray Allen's swing is way better. I mean, there are guys who you can you can just tell. Charles Barkley's swing is not better, but but Michael's swing is not a great golf swing. But he wanted to prove he could just get to this thing and get to a level where he was going to be as great at it as he was in basketball. It was going to be impossible. Baseball was the same thing, but he, he just felt he could get to a level just because he was Michael Jordan, and there was only. But one, why you know, stay in well, golf if he's so not well, good it's, at it? Well, it's it's great. the ultimate. As someone who plays golf and who bets on the golf course, certainly not at that level. It is the ultimate like prove it game. Like you are proving it to yourself, or you're losing on every swing of the club. And there is a total competitive level of that I cannot play golf and enjoy it if I'm not gambling. And I guess we could do a whole podcast on my gambling addiction, I guess. But it's, <laughs> it is a shot-by-shot individual measurement that is hard to beat. You get, there's no other sport that I know where it's like that, where you can win or lose money in your mind or even literally on every time you step over the ball. That's the competitive level of it, and that's maybe why he can't give it up. 
you know what else? I think he liked the isolation of the sport. Um, away from the fans, you're in nature. You know, you're not you're you're not Michael Jordan for a little while. You know, as we saw him isolating himself in the hotel room, he's isolating himself on a golf course without fans. And again, minor league baseball is a very isolation sport. He was an outfielder. He was away from uh you know just people i think that you guys are so philosophical this morning look at y'all like getting deep on though uh by the way marcus simeon played for birmingham didn't he i think he hit 290 (laughs) just to show how how bad uh jordan was hey ethan did you feel a a kinship with sam smith Um, author of jordan rules (laughs) you know i've never met ruiner of of dynasty yeah yeah i've never met sam smith but this made me want to meet uh, sam smith and uh i i thought (laughs) i felt a kinship in some ways because i feel that way sometimes where i'm just describing what i saw i didn't expect it to be such a big deal like that's something (laughs) that's something that i go through a lot of the time where I just lock in on whatever I'm interested in, and I'm not exactly sure how it's all going to play out. And, you know, in a way, it's one of those, the more things change, the more they stay the same. I assume that some of the stuff that we do um, inspires such a crazy reaction because of the modern, uh, just hot take, uh, different media apparatuses and, you know, first take and everything else. And then I can see that, no, back then, you know, it's it's not dissimilar. It's not dissimilar. And... In the case of Sam Smith, he was actually getting death threats. I wasn't getting death threats. I can't relate to that. I think Michael Jordan is a little bit more revered in the culture than, let's say, Kevin Durant. But I will say, um, all this stuff that Michael Jordan was afraid of coming out, I think just makes him more interesting to people. I don't think it hurts his legend at all. I can understand why he was I'm paranoid about it. i for the part it. where people are going to hate him and going to think he's a terrible person. Hmm. Yeah, he, that's what he said. Yeah, he's like, apparently he's gonna look pretty bad as a teammate in the next episode, which includes the Kerr. I'm just punching. picturing somebody who are like, I'm throwing my Jordans out. He called Judd Bushler the f word. I will not stand for it. Yeah, yeah. Part <laughs> of this is is the intimidation. I think we all know that about Jordan. It's like the, the just the it's the Kobe stuff. Like Kobe had been an unpopular you know player in many places throughout his career. He fought with Shaq. I mean, there was a winner and loser of that, supposedly. Uh, and what, you know, again, different case, but it's, what, what do you know about Kobe? What do you remember about Kobe? It's the will to win, the drive to win, and it's the five championships. With Jordan, it's six championships in eight years, period. You know, it's like, that's the way you view him. So you think, oh, yeah, he had a point to being mean. He had a point to doing this. Oh, that little thing there, that was him just trying, you know, and it's true. And we give full credit to things like that. And I think maybe the difference with what we saw last season, the last couple seasons, was it wasn't maybe quite about that. It wasn't about finding the edge to win. It was about a, a lot of other things. And I think maybe the, the, that's where the split between these two dynasties, the breakup of it is, is one of them was just maybe Michael wearing on people to some extent. And that was also Jerry Krause. But... The Warriors, it wasn't quite. It was more about getting this huge player that helped them extend the dynasty, and then it just wasn't going to last. And that's a different story. Uh, and Sam Smith, having I know Sam very well, and Ethan Strauss, very different people. <laughs> we could do a whole other round table on that one. Very different people. What does that even mean? Now yeah, I'm curious. I, I kind of want to yeah. know. Yeah. 
I just, I, hey, I, Ethan, you got years to go, but Sam's a lot more cantankerous than you are. A lot more cantankerous. Uh, a lot. So you say give him time, right? Give yeah, Ethan yeah, time maybe. Yeah. Well, Sam was was pretty cantankerous back then too. But your opinionated Sam is like Sam again. You know, I don't think he's a friend of mine, but we certainly knew each other, and he literally would, like tell me what I had to write. You have to write this, this, and this, and it wasn't just about the bulls. It was about a lot of other things. And Ethan, I don't think you're like that. It's a different kind of mentality, a different kind of approach. Uh, Sam likes to pontificate. Now, Ethan, I guess you like to pontificate too. I but do. It's, it's, in a, it's in a different way. It's in a different way. I just, I, I, uh, I, I, I can see the parallel lines here, and I'll just say, having known both of you, <laughs> there is not a comparison in personalities. There's not a comparison in kind of career arc. He was a political writer. I guess you were a political writer too, but he was a political. Writer. Oh man, these <laughs> dudes are like kids. Nothing like Sam Smith. Nothing like Sam Smith. Well, there's the one thing, and then there's the other thing. But there's also the other thing. <laughs> I bet. I tell you what. I tell you what, Tim. I bet you he wanted you to send him home for a week. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, he did stay. Stay home for a week, man. <laughs> the block is hot. The block is hot. I do. Uh, <laughs> I do see, uh, you know, years into the future, Andrew Bogut sitting on a, on a documentary going, I did not divulge anything <laughs> to Ethan Strauss. Ethan Strauss. Now maybe some other people. No. Uh. <laughs> it's funny because it might be similar to the Horace Grant thing because uh, Bogut did not inform very much of the book at all. Really nothing beyond what he said on record. But I think, you know, I could totally see people thinking that it all came from Bogut. You think Draymond might be on the documentary accusing uh, Bogut? <laughs> oh, that would be incredible, right? We know, we know who talked. We know, we know who talked. I mean, yeah, Georges came for Horace. That was crazy. It's yeah, like, well, Horace saying that he had this Horace, great relationship. Yeah, Horace was a leak. That was the thing. I mean, I don't know if he was for Sam, but I mean, at some point he was for Sam. But Horace was the leak. There's no question. I mean, for a lot of different Phil stories, too, though, right? Oh, absolutely, Jackson, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> Phil, Phil gets out of he skates away with a lot of stuff, but Phil absolutely was that probably you know what probably was you know, the main one. You know what? Good for Phil. We're we're all better for knowing all that stuff in the Jordan rules. I, I like it. I like the texture to it. I like the imperfections. I like that there's a little bit of darkness. I like I like the whole thing. I'm glad that we didn't just have this simple story in the end because in the end it was still enough to inspire everybody. Nobody stopped buying Gatorade because of it. it it's fine. It's fine. We can have a little bit of the myth, of the little bit of the myth punctured, right? Just Isn't a little there- bit. But Isn't you there tension. a yeah? You need tension. Yeah, you, you need friction. You need. Is I mean, that lesson true. being learned though? I said I'm wondering. I'm looking at today's athlete, and I'm seeing. Are they getting that? Nobody likes this Pollyannish creation of you. Nobody like, or at least not lastingly, right? Like the, the the part that doesn't last isn't the part of you that's so perfectly scripted. It is the texture. It is the relatability. The, the ups and downs. It's it's being able to look back. And see all of it, and have this fan base journey with you. I, I don't know they're getting that. It seems like George still don't get it after all this time. If he was shook to say this, this stuff only adds to his legend. I, I, I wonder if they're getting that the whole story is not as scary as you think. People won't be as turned off as you think, and in the end, it only adds to your legend. But you know, no, I, I guess think, they still want. I think that's wanna... why this is. Out. I think that's why this is out. I mean, and Jordan is and and. You know, he's signed off on it. He's his his guys are executive producers. I think at some point he understands. 
you just do a ridiculous, you know, PR piece and it's not that interesting. You got to show some of this. And they got in the gambling. They got, you know, there's things that don't make them look great. But that's also, yeah, it burnishes the full story. You want the full story. You don't want just the, the, the highlights because those are just replaying on NBA TV all the time. And they're not that interesting. And I think in a way that with the Warriors, just like, hey, if it had gone the way it was going without Durant, what they would have won, maybe they would have been in the mix for two or three more titles. I don't know if they would have won one or not. We don't know. But they would have been in that. It would have been this story kind of ending, and, you know, there you go. The Durant part of this adds the tension. It adds the, you know, the villain part, the not just him being the villain. I'm saying them being the supervillains. It adds a whole different drama to this. And I'm wondering if they, I mean, I'm sure they understand that. And I'm sure that they bought into this. This is what was the part of the deal. And an uncomfortable ending was also the way this was probably going to happen. And it helps their story. I do. Th- I think it makes it more interesting. They win two more titles. That helps too. But just that friction was interesting. It was tiresome. Just like being around Michael and being around Krause was tiresome. But I think being around Durant for this Warriors team made it all a bigger story. We know that. But it made it a, you know, a more complex story. And, that, and that's probably good for everybody. I do think they, I do think that's what they figured, right? Like, I, I figured they decided to do this and embrace Kevin and Kevin come all with this idea of being this legendary team. I just, I, I just wonder if they knew if they really considered the negative side of it and how that would be, well, I wonder if they were, you, yeah, you I, I don't know if they can know that. Yeah. It was like, I don't know if they were in the habit of talking about, yo, it's going to get tiring sometimes and we might end up hating each other, but man, we'll be legendary. They told themselves what they wanted to hear in a way where they made the Oklahoma city breakup all about Oklahoma city's transgressions. You know, it was all, all about, about the, all about the guard. It's all about the guard. There, yeah. Right? It, was, it, was, it, was, you know? it was all about that damn Russell Westbrook, um, driving Katie out. And that organization is way too buttoned down, but we're different. I think they told themselves that and you know what? They got some championships out of it. So it wasn't, I mean, they, they became <laughs> history. Uh, it yeah. was more a championship. We're talking about a documentary on them in 20 years because of it. Like it, it, they became bigger than just a championship team. Like, and, and, and that's probably what they signed up for. It, it, I, I wonder, do you think they do it again? Yes, but they don't think every, nobody thinks about the day to day. That's the big thing, right? I mean, like dealing with just like the just drama of the day to day and how that kind of wears on you when you when you come together in the Hamptons, you're talking about like we're going to win titles and then it's like they're not like man, January like January's going to really be rough. But the truth <laughs> is January's rough everywhere in the NBA. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, the NBA to quote Paul Silas, NBA ain't no bowl of roses. You know, the real NBA, the real NBA is a tough place. It's a tough place because it's the height of competition mixed with an absolutely grueling schedule. Um, It's, you know, you just don't, you don't see a lot of happiness. Maybe the Spurs were that, but we'll never know enough about whatever the hell happened inside the Spurs organization to really judge for ourselves. So uh, apparently Steve Kerr is getting a a chance in a spotlight. They're going to tell his story coming up here, you know, going to his father and all that. Uh, we I, know that I didn't really see sure. that coming. Yeah, that, that's what I heard. Yeah, that, oh, yeah. Well, they're definitely going to have a nice the- little segment. And it's going to include the punch, but they're going to, like, do the whole go back into Steve Kerr's life. 
Mm. Uh, that's good. I'm he's surprised not by like that. that. He's not going to like that. I mean, I guess he answered the questions they asked, but it seems like he's very uncomfortable with um, how he's kind of being centered in some of the promotional materials of the documentary. He seems very oh, much over coo coach. He was saying, like, why am I yeah. over coo coach? Um, yeah, I think. I mean, that- does Steve really believe that though? <laughs> I think he if, does. If, if I, it was Ku Coach, he'd be like, man, how is Ku Coach in here over me? <laughs> <laughs> I actually think Steve is weirdly, I don't even know uh, how to put like it. He talking about himself, yeah. He, what, what's like, the word he, for that? Like, Steve kind of thinks he sucks <laughs> at basketball. It's really weird. I mean, did you, see the, uh, did you see the clip of him on the Logan and Kara's podcast where Logan makes him watch a clip and breaks down himself? Because Logan's <laughs> trying to convince him that he can play. Yeah, and he's like, "Hey, here's this clip. So explain this clip." And Steve does this crossover, and drops George Muir's on, and he's. It's just, it's painful for Steve to sit there and watch himself make a highlight and talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> it's, just, well, it's so funny. He's the worst career forty five percent three point shooter of all time, apparently. Um, yeah, you know, you could go either way with it. You could say that Steve would have been great in an era that prioritized three point shooting. Are you shooting. typing while you talk? I'm not. No, I am because we had a little emergency. I'm sorry, we got a little. <laughs> little emergency. I was like, is he? Yeah, he's writing. Uh, well, he's transcribing himself. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, we're doing author. We're doing author. You, you have to transcribe. This is gold. Something <laughs> came up that had to be addressed immediately. <laughs> not involving any of you, thank God. Ooh. Um. Yeah, but I think I I once asked him about it and. He said, no, I couldn't play in the league now. Just too slow, too unathletic. There just wouldn't be a place for me. He legitimately thinks that he could not play in the modern NBA. You know, the way that you see a bunch of a bunch of LeBron fans and people who are really touting the modern superstars, the way they'll look at old clips of, I don't know, like the Celtics, uh, you know, looking not very buff and, and white and slow and say they couldn't play today. Like, that's how Steve feels. Like, that's what, how he seems to feel about himself. Um, and I don't think it's an act either. So make of that what you will. I also think he believes if he, if after the Bulls run, he went to, you know, played for the Suns and kind of flamed out and then wasn't a famous head coach of a dynasty, he wouldn't be featured on the documentary like this. Almost like the documentary is using his current fame uh, to prop themselves up a little bit, put him on the poster, feature him, where he, in his mind, he's like a backup center. You know, they have these backup centers who get a couple quotes here and there, but they're not going to get featured. Yeah. Well, Steve's the best day of his life was winning the 2015 championship as a coach. And I, I don't know if it was orders of magnitude better than the uh, the Bulls championships as a player, but I wouldn't I mean, be surprised if it was. He hit one of the was. biggest shots in finals history. Like, he did. He hit one of the biggest shots in finals history. That's but... probably where they will do his story, by the way. Whenever they get to the point where he's going to hit that shot, I bet it'll be like eight minutes or something. It's not going to be like he's taking over an episode. Nah, I, I mean, I, I am surprised. I mean, I guess it, it it's relevant because of who he is now and what he's become you know, adds to his relevance, but I'm surprised. I, I did think it would be another player, would be more cool coach or Paxson. I mean, there are some guys you just simply aren't hearing about who were, I mean, not 
critically important, but well, Horace you Grant, would think Ron Harper, like, Horace like, Grant, yeah, like Horace Grant, you, you know that guy was really good and really important to that team, and we basically are just knowing him as the leak for Sam Smith. Like that's that's the main thing we're knowing about Horace Grant. I'm curious. We might get a chunk of Horace Grant when they play the Magic, and Horace Grant's on the Magic. Um, coming up, you know, he was part of those teams that they battled with for a couple of years. I mean, I gotta say, Michael Jordan, and you get a sense of just the totality of it, and it's not just about the statistics when we weigh these things, it's the whole it's the whole thing, the whole mystique and the charisma to it, but he did eventually have 54 wins of help. I mean, that that is I don't want to be a, a Krauss apologist, I think Krauss was his own worst enemy, to quote Steve Kerr, but I mean, they, there are some there are some pretty good players on those Bulls, and not just Scottie Pippen. Um, they did a pretty impressive job. I mean, you don't get six team. championships without it, right? Like, right. <laughs> you you kind of have to. I mean, I'm uh, looking Horace Grant, 90, 93, 94, you know, 15 a game, 11 rebounds, over a steal a game, over a block a game, uh, you know, scoring efficiently. I mean, Horace Grant was, Horace Grant was pretty damn good. Yeah, we're also talking to the same guy who is just going after Tony Kukoc lately, saying Tony Kukoc is overrated. Look at his stats. He's got some real good stats. Not the most efficient of score. Not the greatest of shooters. You know, I think like sometimes we do a thing where we're almost overcompensating and we're trying to be hipsters. Like we need to like it's not good enough to say that Sabonis was really good overseas. It's like the Warriors Sarunas Barcelona's crowd, right? Like, yeah, yeah. A, we got like oh. all star and Warriors lower now. I yeah, mean, he was good, but he was. He wasn't that good. Yeah, and it, we do a little bit. I mean, the thing with Drazen Petrovic is the death kind of informs some of that, but we almost— Watch we, your mouth. Drazen Petrovic was incredible. He no, was he a, was a great shooter. He was incredible he, NBA jam. <laughs> no, he was good. I'm just saying that sometimes— sometimes we will not tolerate Drazen Shade on <laughs> Okay, well, the hottest take, the one I think is overrated, is Isaiah Thomas. And I say that, I say that— Knowing that I was not there for those runs, I was not. If somebody says to me, "Look, I was there for it. I watched." It. I think Bill Simmons said, "Bill Simmons said that, uh, you know, I watched it. You know, Isaiah Thomas is way better than Chris Paul." I can't tell those people they're wrong because I have not broken down all those games and watched all those games. But just, you know, statistically, you can't really say it's about the era being different because all the other superstars have killer stats. Isaiah, really inefficient score, and I, I do wonder, because this does happen, I do wonder if he gets a little bit of a bump from when a team succeeds with defense, we're just an offensive-based culture, that's what we react to, we're going to give the main offense guy all the credit, or a majority of the credit for what's going on, and I mean, his stats just don't, they just don't stack up, I mean, I don't know what else to say, like, I suspect that's part of it, just saying. Isaiah Thomas Shades continue. You you and Jordan. I also just don't have it too much of uh, dense takes on this era of basketball. I, Isaiah, okay, by the way, definitely we, had we, a few we, we have uh, fixed the problem. I am back on. I don't know what you've been talking about other than destroying Isaiah Thomas. We're talking about whether Isaiah Thomas was he overrated did, and didn't, did, well, did, Isaiah, didn't deserve the dream team. Tony yeah, Kukos. If you're gonna put, I was going to say, if you put him on a dream team, who are you taking off? Christian Leitner. Well, no, they were going to put a college player on. That was they like, have to. They didn't have to. They Who decided they, had they were. To? They, yeah. they, they decided they were going to. Who you take? You taking off Molly? Is that who you taking off? How old was Take, Chris Mullen at this point? He was, was he, in, like, he was like 
early third early 30s if, if early there's 30s. a if there's a college player and we can't do anything about that i'm not i'm not taking off anybody for isaiah thomas he was breaking you down at that point you, you take you, i mean you, you could put him ahead of bird but you wouldn't you had bird on there for a reason so yeah like, yeah you know, the other one is just stockton and you, I don't, stockton's I don't better than isaiah thomas i'm sorry he is he is I, john stockton better than isaiah thomas and you know came very close to winning a championship and maybe I'm just reacting because I saw game six of the 1997 Western Conference Finals recently where Stockton was just a killer um closing when's the last time you watched a really good Isaiah Thomas game I mean the the limping game the the ankle injury game you watched that you watched that I did watch that that was pretty impressive I mean that's that's an all-time moment I mean it's it's tough because it's hard to weigh up what somebody means in terms of toughness and as a team leader and all the things that Isaiah Thomas was. And I don't pretend, I don't, I don't pretend to know all that, but John Stockton was a better shooter. He was a better scorer, better passer, better defender. I mean, back then, and when I was young watching these games and you know me, I, I was, I love Pippen. I loved, I loved Jerome Kersey. Those are the guys I loved. Uh, and, I was I thought Dumars might be a more valuable player. Dumars than, underrated. Dumars was my favorite yeah. on the Pistons. He and, could shoot yeah. it and yeah, he and could defend. Shoot and he defended everybody. I mean, he was one of he was Clay Thompson. I mean, shorter, but he was like he just go, went and guarded the toughest guy. And they had Rodman behind him. But Dumars was such an important part of that team. But you also have to respect the locker room and who was the leader of that team. It was Isaiah. Isaiah who was Thomas. The person they. Yeah. Was they felt was was leading them? It was Isaiah Thomas. So I can't always just say it was Dumars. Although I think Dumars helped Isaiah in ways probably more than Scotty helped Michael. I mean, he he was a lead dog in a lot of ways. But you, at some point, you have to understand that the locker room order is important, and the locker room clearly presented Isaiah Thomas as the leader in every single way. And one thing I did, I think I saw a quote that Dumars said he wasn't going to walk past the Bulls after game seven, but I don't see any video of him actually shaking their hands. I don't, does anybody know if he did shake their hands and, and he just the gets rest of the guys walk he, off? Dumars is, is like clay in that there's never any criticism at all. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't see him in the video walking off, but I don't see him in the video congratulating them either. So I'm not really sure. Uh, but Dumars was like, there was just this class of players that I loved back then. Gary Payton was another one in, in a different way, but like, even then, I didn't think of it as two-way players. I didn't think of it as defense isn't being counted enough. But I just, I just thought you had to have those players to win. And Michael didn't win till he had, and Scotty was great. And you know Isaiah doesn't win without Dumars. There's a whole bunch of those. I always liked those guys. And I think if anything, maybe you know this documentary is, is shows some. And it talks about Michael's defense too, which was incredible, at least for the first three. Uh, and you know, there's just no way around the importance of a Scottie Pippen. So Scottie Pippen type players continue, you know, maybe to get a little bit more love. Like I, I compare him to Iguodala when Iguodala at his best, and we still know that Iguodala doesn't get a lot of the, you know, the renown, a lot of respect that that we all think he should have. Yeah, well, defense again, it's a common theme. I don't know what it is about it. Uh, but we just we we pretend like it's one tenth of the game as opposed to half of the game, and I don't know if that's ever going to change. Um, but it, it just won't. seems to be enduring. Like people talk about Draymond, like he like right now, and I think it's coming off of a bad season. But this idea that he's not that that he's not good or just wasn't it's just crazy. It's just it's what he was defensively is something that 
I mean, I'm not sure if we've seen it. The closest comp is Rodman. I mean, that is insanely valuable. And it's just... It, it, people act as though it's uh, it's role player stuff. It's stuff anybody could do. Well, if anybody could do it, then they would have been doing it. Um, it's just not valued the same way as offense, even if it's valuable. So uh, the the league it feels like is trending towards playing and finishing something on some half or in one version or another, whether it's Orlando, Las Vegas, whatever. It feels like this has zero impact on the Warriors, but. What do you guys think? Is this a good idea, Slater, for them to uh, even be trying to play? Yeah, I think so. Um, I clicked on the Korean Baseball League a little bit last night just to yeah. see. I, I, I watched guys... four pitches. I got like, bored. I got what bored pretty yeah, quick. Yeah. Hey, I'm not uh, I'm not among the people that are like trying to like get a favorite team and like get into the league. But I was still like, hey, you know, this is kind of an important moment, right, in this pandemic. Like a league is actually legitimately restarting how is this going to look uh baseball is a lot different than basketball where you can have an empty stadium and it can you know can almost feel like oh, a little bit like an they A's always play in empty yeah. stadiums yeah. it exactly. was these shots wow yeah A's i know shots, sorry, wow. sorry. No. the annou- the announcing setup was awkward because it oh was, yeah that was it, it was over skype or i don't know and they didn't know quite what to do and when there was a home run it seemed like they were too flustered to even just properly if, call it I, I don't know if this is part of ESPN strategy, but I don't I don't think it would be a bad idea if they believe the NBA is coming down the road. Hey, let's try out some of this announcer, you know, work out the, you know, kind of the the different issues during Korean baseball at, you know, 11 p.m. at night um, where. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I think it's worth trying if, if you're the NBA. There's no reason just from a financial standpoint, from a time standpoint uh, right now, you you attempt it, it again. Now, that doesn't mean you're tomorrow getting all these places in the, you know, you're bringing them into this bubble tomorrow, but at least try to come up with the logistical way to possibly do it. And if at the end of the day, uh, one day you're like, this is just not going to happen. Okay, then uh, you pull the plug, but I don't blame them for trying. The thing that nobody is saying, and I think people are thinking, but they don't want to be a killjoy. And I guess occasionally I'm a killjoy. Um Look, if they pull this off, if they do this playoff tournament, what have you, in Walt Disney World, oh, I will watch it. I will definitely watch it on, on television because, I mean, what is it even going up against? Of course I will watch it. Will I regard the winner as the actual winner of the 2020 NBA championship? Hell no. I mean, this is crazy. This is a wacky scenario. This is not this is not the NBA playoffs. This is not, you know, so winning you a series. You Corona the champion? Top tier dad joke right there. But you know what but there's that was there's, total there's, dad. Yeah, I know. There's been, you know, as Phil called the Spurs championship in between the Bulls run and the Warriors run, the asterisk title. Uh, you know, there, there was a lock, it was a lockout shortened season. You know, there's been other funky seasons, and I think we clearly would think of it as a funky season. But it's better to have a champion than not to have a champion. I think that's their stance, and I don't disagree with them. If you've played 70 Let's just, games. I think we should just call have. it something different, yeah. like the Corona Cup, you know, or just like the banner is a different color. It's some wacky, like, neon green color. I, I don't know. I'm just saying, look, I... I I would love to see basketball. I miss basketball on television, but we're. I feel like nobody is supposed to point this out right now because we want it to happen. But it just seems like it's something obvious that this is not. This is not 
what the thing is. This is just not what it is. What I think it's, is it's like a summer league. It's like a summer yeah. league. It's, it's like an AAU tournament. Yeah. But here, I mean, there does seem to be still some some hope, some commitment to trying to have the end of the regular season, however many games they do. And yet we have Steve Kerr on the record saying that they're done. <laughs> they do that. What happens, Slater? What happens? They say, okay, we're playing five more games. What do the Warriors do? I think the Warriors have a very shortened uh, training camp compared to other teams. Uh, I do think they come together. I think Kerr is a part of it. Um, I think he wants his young coaches to be a part of it, which might not be the case because, as you guys have probably heard, they're talking about only allowing like a couple of assistant coaches, like a very you know shortened uh, staff. The Nick in led Warriors. The, the well, yeah, I, I, I mean, I assume Kerr would be there just because he's the head coach and you want the head coach there, but. Uh, I could see them basically handing it like us again, like a summer league. What happens in summer league? Krista Marco's the head coach, and 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 Aaron Miles is an assistant, and you know Theo Robertson. Like, it's not out of the question that they would literally view it like a summer league. Tell Draymond stay home, Steph stay home, Clay definitely stay home, um, and even some of the veteran head coaches, particularly ones older in age, you know, like a Ron Adams, um, stay away. Uh, young coaches. Go treat this like a five-game developmental summer league. Eric Paschal, you're the superstar. Michael Mulder, you're starting at the two. Um, go yeah, play the I Phoenix Suns. Michael Mulder was even on the team. There's yes, guys, I forget. Or, yeah, yeah or he signed a uh, full full deal the day before uh, the shutdown. But, yeah, I mean, I don't – my question is – and trust me, this is the Warriors question from people I've talked to. Why would we be a part of this? Why would you bring up – we're, we're more bodies, we're more logistics, we're more money, we're more tests – what? Why would they do that? Well, they, if if you want to have a fair race for the A seed, which is part of this, you know, the money's the whole thing. But if you want, you can't just eliminate some teams from the schedule. I think that's the point. Like, if you want to have some fair representation of the race for the A seed, which is clear, that's all it's about in the West. Then you want you can't just say okay, well, but, well, oh, by the way, the Kings are supposed to play the Warriors twice, but they're not now. You know, I mean, what and, and I get what the Warriors you're saying. Just forfeit. Yeah. They just say, yeah, yeah we're I mean, on the schedule, you know, but well, we're not going to play. Well, well you know, for, you can't forfeit in the end. I mean, yeah, you, you, you can in a discussion, but you can't literally forfeit because that's a game that was supposed to be on television. That's a game that you know they're going to get money for that they're not going to play. It, 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 there's there's complicated. It's like saying why did the Warriors play that game? You know, when there was the recommendation from San Francisco that they don't play it now. We know the Warriors want to play it, but I'm saying they couldn't have made that decision unilaterally and just say we're not playing. It has to be a league conversation. You're 100% right. Like a lot of the talk is about like, well, is this fair to the Kings and the Pelicans? And it's like, do you do you know um, do you know what the ninth seed in the East their record is? The Washington Wizards right now are 24 and 40. That's the ninth seed uh, in the in the West. The Portland Trailblazers are currently the ninth seed at 29 and 37. The Pelicans and Kings are both 28 and 36. I don't understand why they matter. And if they can complain, it's like, dude, you were 28 and 36. We're in the middle of a global pandemic. I'm sorry. It's cut off. Regular season should be yes. done. Um, you know, you just get these 16 teams, which really simplify it. And and if you get the LeBron Jameses and the Giannis's of the world saying, hey, we can't just start game one of the playoffs without playing. It's like, okay, set up some scrimmages. You bring these 16 teams in, you could do a little like, pre-playoff scrimmage where it's like Lakers against the Magic, you know, Pacers against the Jazz, whatever, to get these guys going. And then, you know, sorry, you get three of these like mini scrimmages and then you play. That all makes sense. I, I don't dispute any of it. I can just see where the NBA is going to be charging a lot of money for these and they want to feel like it's they could justify it in their minds. 
And it's not, you know, it's and not give the people Ethan, their money Ethan, worth. Yeah. yeah, it's not Ethan Strauss's, you know, forget about this. It's just a make believe situation. They want to try to make it as real as possible. I don't think they're going to end up doing a lot of it. They're going to try to get straight to the playoffs. It makes the most sense. You have a really limited amount of time. It's getting more limited every day. But the reason why they want these regular season games is they got contracts and they've got like and they yeah, don't. Do want... they have to cash that back? That's what I was wondering. I mean, they're not going to fulfill every single one. There's no way they're not getting to seventy games for everybody. And that's like you know, there's no way they're getting to seventy with the Warriors. Obviously, with all the. With all the national well, games, well, they, also... they want to get as close as they can, and also they don't want game one of the playoffs, and everybody looks like they're fat and and you know completely out of shape. They just they don't they want the playoffs to feel like there's a build up to them. They may not be able to do it, but that's what they want. Well, to that's do. speaking of that, when there's this idea of oh, they want the Pelicans in to get Zion in the playoffs, and I was thinking to myself. Ooh, what shape is Zion in right now? <laughs> like, I don't know. Watching, watching the Gatorade, he looks pretty good. But who knows what those yeah, shots. yeah. I don't. I don't know. Um, I, I think there was something interesting said by a GM in the Woj piece, which is it's hard to rule by consensus in a crisis. And I think that was a message to Adam Silver that, dude, you just need to call the shots like a dictator right now. All of this surveying and asking, and you know, oh, the Kings want to make the playoffs. Like this is not going to work. You have to say, here are the rules, here's the deal, let's go. Because during a crisis, there's no other way to do it. And I think I should Channel sign off. Dave, what, would, what, would, what would David Stern do? What would David <laughs> Stern? Well, you know, Rod, Roger Goodell gets a lot Scott of hate. Scott Scowls would stand up and say something. <laughs> <laughs> Roger Goodell gets a lot of criticism for, you know, uh, I think rightful reasons at times. But he's the one that really just pushed the draft through when a, apparently a lot of people were – like not wanting it, and it worked. It was good. Jerry Jones wanted draft too, so <laughs> yeah, well, that helps. Yeah, um, but no, they'll 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 have to have some abridged version. There's no question. But I'm just saying, I get they they want to finish it. I get some some teams are going to be in the middle of it, and we're going to see something that isn't quite comfortable all, for everybody. All I know, it's just going to happen. All I know is that. Um, Whatever's going to happen, Tillman Fertitta is chilling because that dude is flush with cash and has no issues whatsoever. None. So the NBA can do None. what it wants. <laughs> the steakhouses are doing just fine. What right did you now? make of that? Like, no I love that Sam, our, our, our colleague Sam Amick interviewed Tillman Fertitta, owner of the Rockets. I felt like old Tilly was defensive, like very defensive. Uh, anybody might think he has money issues. It was it was interesting. It was interesting, I, mean, I should he say. He practically was. Uh, Making it, he had the Lil Wayne bag of money out here flipping in the interview. You can see him just—he's like, "I'm not broke." Well, he's being—he's being pinned up as like the like you know when whenever anybody, including us, are like discussing like the financial implications of this and how different owners might you know go underwater. We always bring up Tillman Fertitta first, um, and he's not the only one. So you know, he's probably just kind of like trying to. You know, well, that's what happens. Out, but... That's what happens in life. Is like we always have an archetypal joke. You know, you have the archetypal example, and he became that so, somehow. I think through being cheap and just, frankly, just being kind of hilarious and having a name that's fun to say. Um, but yeah, I think he felt sensitive about that. But that was that that was very uh, that was very interesting to me that he would want us to know he's rich. It's very important that we know that he's got the money to to withstand all of this. But we shall see. I don't know if I'm so convinced. I think it's interesting that they, uh, you know, they're like, yeah, we're not going to do the test. We can't take tests. We're not taking up tests. And 
you know, but they're also surveying everything. I wonder if people would be like, man, take them tests. <laughs> like, did you see the test number? Everybody. Did you see the number ESPN put out that they they estimated they would need 15,000? 15, 15,000. I was yeah. thinking like that seems a lot lower than I would have expected, you know, to do a entire playoffs with like all the staffers involved. Dude, the but NFL gotta, like, by the way, the hotel. <laughs> the, the the NFL would not be caring at all about other people yeah. needing tests. I mean, they will rip I that the test out of your NBA. grandmother's hands to give it to some I think defensive the NBA end. Is like they probably need to be that way. I don't think people are like don't test them. They're like yeah, no, it's not right to take the test. And people, I bet you people are like man, please do these tests so we can watch some hoop. But did did you see the Miami Dolphins come out and like they they already sent out this plan of how we're gonna have fans in the stadium next year? And it was like. We'll let them enter different gates at different times. And it was like, geez, the Dolphins are already talking about having fans at the stadium. Yeah, they're not messing around. The I, NFL I, is just going to like, they're going to just like buy test test product. Like they're just going to buy the company that makes the test. Like, okay, now we're going to do it. We're all set up. So tough luck for the rest of you. I just can't uh, wait to see. A slightly higher level. When they, when they, you know, because they're talking in the bubble theory, right? They have to, like whoever is working like if you're a hotel staffer if you work in the game like you got to stay inside the bubble right so all these people are just going to be trapped for you know two months i i know one of the one of the gripes is people players are worried about uh they don't want to be just separated from their family that long like that i wonder i wonder how much of that is true i think some of them are like hey baby i don't want to go but they're, they're making they're making me stay up under the house I uh, I follow a uh, he's an American that I went to college with actually at Oklahoma State and he's become a, like a superstar for Australian rules football over in Australia and they're talking about the same thing over there doing like a a bubble type uh, pod situation and he had some tweet that was like good now all the players are gonna know what it's like being an international player where you go over to these countries you're you don't know anybody you're separated from everyone and you just kind of play the sport and so I mean in a sense. I know it's not great to be separated from your family for two months, but it's not an impossible situation if, at the in the meantime, you're saving your industry for everybody involved. But and, after and two your, months... And your, and your paychecks. And and, your, yeah, that's yeah, what no I mean. No question, you're, you're saving your paycheck. Yeah. But, but after two months of being at home exclusively, Ethan's ready to go for a month. He's like... <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I am right now... You're going to tell your family that, but yeah. I, oh, my, man. My, Adam Silver told me we got to go. We don't really have a choice. My, my, my wife has, uh, has left to do her, her all-hands meeting. I'm watching my two-year-old just swinging from a trampoline and throwing... He's throwing things at the laptop as you, as you, uh, as you speak currently, which is why I might have to leave at a moment's notice. But yes, yes. Sammy... Tim, wherever it's fine. I will. Is summer league happening again? Is summer league happening again? I'm in. Well, I'm in. What's well, gonna be really <laughs> interesting, Slater, is how uh, you know, like if if they're at a hotel, you're gonna need hotel staff, right? I wonder how many like how many IG models will suddenly be hotel maids now. Like, <laughs> wow, <laughs> wow, it's gonna be. It'll be 15 and they're going to be like, I mean, you're going to be literally trapped with players for two months. I'm curious. Yeah, Marcus is thinking about hotel stuff. I'm curious about media. Uh, will any member of the media be let in? Will they do like Zoom call, press conferences, yeah, and no I, media? I, would bet it's, I bet it's Zoom. I bet they saw That'd the NFL draft worked out. Or it'd be like a pool reporter, in. right? If, if yeah. everybody's in, you put in a Slater, pool. would you be a pool reporter? Go out there for two months? Um, Just because of the uniqueness of it, like, it would be pretty interesting professionally to do. Now, at the same time, it's like, 
I don't Although know. we are saying we are saying two months, and you know teams are gonna get eliminated, eliminated, eliminated. I mean, it's not everybody for two months. No, you're it's a pool reporter be, for all yeah. uh, all sixteen you, teams. I, guess. I, I hope yeah, they let people who are in the little bubble do the Disneyland rides or the Disney World rides, and nobody else is there. That would be pretty cool. That that would be pretty. Be, nice. Has to be a perk, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, if you're gonna be trapped here for two months, but like if you're you know you're serving, do you just stay at the hotel? <laughs> Like yeah, you, you I mean, it's, live there. the one thing is, like, these are pretty nice hotels. So it, it, oh, it's no not question. like the worst setup ever, you know. I, I think the line will be long full of people who want to be in that bubble working. Uh, they, won't have a, they won't have a problem. I'm telling you, it's going to be. Oh, if it was Vegas, I, I'm, I'm, I'm there. The issue for us is that it's right now it's hard to get places. It's across the country. But if I was in that part of the country, I mean, I'd be vying for it. I think it 100% should be Orlando because of the difference between having private property where you can shut it down to the public, no issues, shut down the streets, compared to Vegas. Yes, Vegas has their cool setups, but it's a city. And it's a city that has a lot of cases uh, and is dealing with its own you know, governmental issues right now. So I think the Orlando thing is a much better option. Yeah, I'm, I'm with that. I wonder how many stars actually participate like if you're Steph and you got five games left do you do you actually participate or do you just say yeah not nah? because in uh, the any, end, but I think any anybody in that situation who can say I've got an injury or whatever I don't I think you know it's like the Olympics like I can choose to participate it's probably best I don't participate but if, if you're healthy and you've been playing and uh, you know maybe they want to play you know they want to get a three four more games in there who knows I mean if if you're like I don't, there's not that many players in this category just because most of the good players are going to playoffs. But I think if you're in the Steph category, if you're in the Draymond category, you probably think of it like an Olympics, and maybe you don't want to go through that. Like who who's like if the Olympics was being held in two months, I know it's not, but let's say it was. Who's going to that? Yeah, I mean it's like this would this would be if you have the option not to, you're you're not there's, going to do it. And I there would, guess would be. Not there would be much more motivation for Steph to play in the Olympics because he wants to win a gold medal than literally go play out the string in a 15 and 50 season where you have to have like some type of probably like three week lead up to get in shape. I mean, you know how stringently that they worried about Steph getting in like absolutely proper physical shape to come back from the hand injury where we were like sitting there a month out. Like he's probably like if they really wanted to throw him out in a game, he could probably survive. And they had like a month lead up to that. They would basically have to do that again so that he could play Five games in an Orlando quarantine bubble while a pandemic's going on around him. I think what they just say, had, stay home with your family. What if he had full access to uh, some of the best golf courses in Orlando mm. at the same time? Nobody's on the course. <laughs> he, have, uh, yeah. Yeah. He, he and Tiger yeah. go out there and I get just, up about five times. What does Aisha say? Andre Iguodala be, uh, be there too? <laughs> oh, man. What does Aisha say? Probably at. Can you find a way not to do this? Yeah, yeah uh, no, you're not doing this. <laughs> yeah. I just bought some golf. I just bought some golf clubs. I mean, if it's going to be what we can do for a while, potentially, it's. I'm. I'm getting on that kick. I do want to say. I know this is Warriors plus minus. I. I'm. I'm sad in that this. This A's team is maybe the best team they've had in some time, and nobody cares. <laughs> like nobody, nobody cares. cares. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's Simeon's last season. It's one season of Olsen and Chapman that they got control of them towards free agency. Yeah, They've this got might the young be the year. Phenom yeah, yeah, pitchers. Yeah, this would, be, this would mean, be so classic for them to be. This is the year, <laughs> and the Astros are all funked up by the by the scandal, 
and they don't have a baseball yeah, season. Yeah, they, so A's. the A's have one of, if not the most exciting team in baseball, and nobody nobody cares. Locally, There's a lot of buzz that the MLBs pro- can really do kind of a little bit what Korea is doing, and it might happen in July. And like in that scenario where it's empty stadiums, it's duller environments, it's no home field advantage. Do the A's like have a real advantage? I'm not, I'm not trying to take my second. I mean, that, shot but no, at the but that's A's. part of that's that's part of their mystique, though, right? Is they come to Oakland and there's like a vibe, and they do the the walk yeah, off the yeah. They do the drums and they do yeah. I mean, who knows? I think there is going to be a baseball season, but it is. It is interesting, and we're yeah we're killing the listenership on Warriors Plus Minus by talking. So just long bringing up the A's, but just, uh, yeah, but, uh, <laughs> we just lost you know, everybody. This season is this is one of the reasons I'll just say is a little tip. They're very hard to get a hold of right now. Uh, if you talk about the people I talk to, and I think part of it is like they're looking at going, oh my god, this was the stadium build up. This was you know their chance at, at winning it all. They won they won ninety seven. The last two games they're going to be better. Last two seasons they're going to be better. This is Simeon's last season. They're not going to say that, but it's pretty clear. It's Simeon, and they might get very little of Marcus Simeon's last season. You know, it's just a. Uh, I think there's a lot of angst with that, and it's not going to be a huge amount of listeners and a huge amount of fans involved in this. But it is pretty interesting. Maybe there'll be a book about this or something. So uh, before we get out of here, who's the John Michael Wozniak of the Warriors <laughs> Dynasty? Oh, it's Ralph Walker. About that. It's Ralph Walker. It's Ralph. Or it's uh, or it's Ramon. Is it Ramon? Ramon? Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it's it, it, Ralph is. I mean, Ralph is the main security guy. I mean, he's who you'd talk about or write about. Any Steph's any Steph, you know. Yeah, Raven Ritter would probably get a segment. Oh yeah. Oh Ritter. Oh definitely. Um, God, but I don't how, know if I could see Ralph playing quarters with with Steph. Though. It's hard though. I mean, documentaries are so different where. It's hard to bring some of these people to life writing about them, but if you capture just the way Wozniak looks, you know that it's it's really entertaining. And yeah, that shrug went viral. He, he, yeah, he's uh, he was a pleasant surprise. I'm sure they were like, yeah, I mean, we didn't expect this, and especially since he passed away in January, uh, that's that's it. That's pretty. I was I was thinking about that. Like, who'd be the who? Well, not just necessarily like who's the head security guard, but who's the non basketball character. Here's a question. That pop up. What what non basketball thing? What non basketball thing would you enjoy beating Michael Jordan in most? You know, like quarters is a pretty good one. But what 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 one would you Dominoes. want? Dominoes. Dominoes. <laughs> yeah, car cards. Slamming on the table. Oh, poker! Golf. Beating Michael Jordan in poker would be great. <laughs> I just Tim. I just watched his swing. I wow. He. No, it's, he not, it's not. It's It's some moving pieces there. And it's not not pieces. a lot of hip movement too. Yeah. Wow. He's a ba- it's basketball. I've always basketball is a tough sport to translate to. To golf, like hockey, is the perfect sport to translate to golf. Baseball, a little bit, a little, little different. I mean, but I that Mike Trout, like six hundred yard drive, was pretty impressive. Yeah, <laughs> football is football is tougher. The quarterbacks, it's very easy punters. And basketball, it's just so different. The muscles just do different things. You want to jump. That's what I was talking to Steph once about. Like you want to get on your toes in basketball. Everything's get on your toes, and everything in golf is don't get on your toes. You can't get on your toes, and you just see these guys like they're twitching around because that's what they do. It's muscle twitch, and golf is not muscle twitch except for one exact moment when you're hitting the ball. Everything else, it's you can't do that. And Michael's twitching around a little bit. Andre's got a little twitchy swing. Steph does not. 
And again, but that tells you someone who learned a sport at a very young age yeah. and played basketball. Yeah, hey, Slater, what, what do it. we lose? Re- what do we lose listeners over faster, A's or, or golf talk? People like golf, man. <laughs> Can we do golf A's talk? Is golf. that possible? Yeah, Matt Olson looks like yeah. he would have a great golf swing. I mean, that Matt Olson golf swing is probably incredible. He probably hits it as far as Dustin Johnson. Just, just guess. You, you, you just think he looks good. All right. Yeah. We. We are out of here. Until next week. Where's Plus Minus is done. <laughs>